0: Today we're continuing on a message called Reclaiming the Table, this series, because there's this truth that there's been a major shift in our culture over the last generation and it's monumental and it's having more effects than we realize. Historically, families have spent about 90 minutes together eating dinner each night, 90 minutes talking intergenerational conversation about how to navigate the day and Currently, the average time for family having dinner is now 12 minutes. We've moved from 90 minutes to 12 minutes. And once every five meals, the average is now that we as families, we eat that meal in the car while we're driving somewhere. I mean, things have changed in this. And it's not just that, you know, change is bad. It's that we're missing a component that is so critical. Intentional conversation with our children, with our spouse, with our loved ones, without a device sitting in between us. And there's things that our kids need to hear from our mouths that they've been missing. So this series is a very specific application of Deuteronomy 6. We're going to study the second half of Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 today. We studied the first half last week, and especially if you have kids in your home, I recommend you go back and listen to last week's message. It was helpful. But today we're going to be studying 7, 8, and 9 together, and really the starting point... Uh, uh, Of this next portion there's a foundation for that you have to understand but we're gonna we're gonna start with verse four just so you have a good feel of the context and this is one of the most historically referenced passages when it comes to the way that a family is supposed to operate to to raising up kids it's not spoil or spare the rod spoil the child it's actually deuteronomy 6 4 through 9 this is the design for raising up kids and it says hero israel the lord our god the lord is one Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Starting into this next section, we really have to understand verse 6 is like the foundation for 7, 8, 9. Because if you don't have verse 6, you're not going to be able to do 7, 8, and 9. Verse 6 says that we're supposed to have his commandments on our hearts. They're supposed to be part of our identity, that it's so on our hearts, so in our head, it can't help but come out of our mouth. And in verse 7, it begins to call us to impress them on our kids. But I want to say, when it comes to raising kids up the way that we're supposed to, the way that Scripture calls us to, it first starts with what is your heart leaning on? Are the words of God so close that you just can't, they're, they're so close to who you want to be as a person, they've influenced you so much, that you just can't help get into the word on a daily basis? Or have you fallen into one of those droughts where, man, the Bible is somewhere in the house. I, I, I can't quite remember where I was reading. Like, I understand we get in those places, but if we want to see the results within our family, we need to be people that our heart it just turn towards the Word of God. And especially when we're new to the faith, or especially when we're coming out of that dry spiritual season, there, I think there's this thing that we have to get over. It's probably very closely connected with pride, because as we begin to study Scripture and read Scripture, there's this, there's this thing of, oh man, this is tough because it's convicting me. It's challenging me. When, when I read what God calls me to do, and I look at the way that my life has been going, there's this thing of Am I going to do this my way or am I going to do it God's way? Am I going to allow Scripture to change me or I'm just going to try to change the meaning of Scripture? And we have to first get over that because once we get over that and we begin to experience the result of living out the scriptural call, it's addictive because it works. When we live according to God's design, the family operates the way that it should. And not that there's not difficult seasons because there will be, But God is faithful and his words are true. And and sorry, I got to step out of my message for just one second. I'm not calling you guys alligators or snakes, but when it gets cold, we get a little bit quiet in here. And I don't know if you need to like just kind of get the blood circulating, but first service, I was about to start shaking some people because I'm like, this preaching up here is beneficial. You need to lean into this moment. So don't get too cold and too stationary. We're a congregation, not an audience. And so we're going to interact with the word of God, all right? So, so starting in this, that first scripture, it needs to be just part of our heart. And I understand there's a difficulty of getting into it. And it reminds me, I don't know if you did this with your kids, but we, we make messes at my house. And so when my kids turned one, we always did the smash cake. You know what I'm talking about? That's where you make a cake for like a one-year-old and you just let them have at it. Um, I got a couple pictures, but this was a long time ago, so they're not too bright. I apologize. There's one of my daughters with her smash cake. She wouldn't touch it. And I'm like, I had to fish a crayon out of your mouth earlier. How are you not going to eat a cake? This is delicious. But, you know, we kind of helped her get into it. Go to the next picture. You can see she started figuring it out. Once she had it figured out, she began to look like this because she was like milk and cake drunk because she's like, this is delicious. I love this. But she kind of started in this place of, I don't know if I want to do this. And it it feels so much like that when it starts with us beginning to fall in love with Scripture, beginning to study it. There's this thing of like, this is new, this is different, this is challenging. I don't know what to do in this moment. But when we begin to step into it, we're like, "I, I want as much of this as I can get. But it's really that starting point as leaders of our households, Because whether we have kids or whether we have spouses, we have extended family or friends, we are called to influence them for the name of Christ, for the sake of the gospel. But all of that has to first start with your heart being where it should be. That starts with you saying, Scripture has authority over the way that I live my life. And Scripture is going to be something that is on my heart on a daily basis. And then that then fills us up to be able to invest it into other people. If the cup is empty, we don't have anything else to pour into somebody else's life. And so at first, it starts with us filling ourselves up. And then that call begins of impress them on your children. Now, it says impress them on your children because, and if you haven't had kids yet, you may not realize this, but when you want a child to do something, you actually have to tell them more than once, <laughs> I don't know if I'm the only one who experienced this. I had some of, you, some of my friends from, it, from, from in here come over to my house and they're like, man, you ranted about your kids not putting their shoes where they're supposed to. Where are we supposed to put our shoes? We don't want you to get angry at us. And I'm like, it's not that big of a deal, but you can tell their shoes are on that black mark. Um, but it, I, I told my kids countless times, don't put your shoes there. Like, like it, it, it's not good where our shoes go here, but it's like, you have to continue to tell them. And scripture is very aware. God is very aware of their design. And he says, you're going to have to impress this upon them. If you've been raising your kid, just setting a bad example for 14 years, and then you say, okay, now I need you to do this, you're going to have 14 years worth of battle that you have to fix before they get on the right page. You're not going to be able to tell them just once. And in fact, the picture that the Hebrew word that we translate into impress, it actually is more of the word like sharpen. It's the term like W-H-E-T, like wet, that you have to like wet the children, that you have to sharpen them. Uh, this knife, uh, we got it as a wedding gift about 15 years ago. Um, and as you can guess, since we don't have a sharpener in our house, it, it got pretty dull. But the way that you sharpen a knife is one file. And and I did that once, and so now now is it good? Is it ready to finally cut through stuff rather than squishing the carrot or the tomato that it's actually gonna cut through? No, like one time isn't gonna do anything. But but you have to, and this is the picture that it gives when it says, impress upon your children, that on a daily, that, that on a regular, that you have to you have to file, you have to sharpen them. And this means a couple things. First of all, it means you're not really going to be able to fake it. You're not going to be able to give them a faith that you don't have because you can't just one time tell them this is how we live. You have to show them regularly. You have to be sharpening them. And this comes from them seeing us study Scripture, them seeing us live out the Scripture, them seeing us sacrificially serve, sacrificially give, to engage in worship. To, to, to serve the other people in our household, to serve the people in our community. And slowly, bit by bit, by the example and the intentional impression that you put on them, they will be ready to fulfill the design that God has for them. But listen, so many people, they're like, hey, I sent my kid to your youth group for the last month, or my kid's been in the kids' ministry for the last month, and they're still messed up. And I, I'm a pastor, so I have to be nice. So I can't be like, 14 years, we've had four hours. What do you want me to do? <laughs> it's your kid. Like, I would never say that to them. I would never <laughs> think that. This is what scripture teaches. It's one week. It's not going to change their whole world. It's one morning where you read scripture. T- it's one morning where you put on Christian music in the car and started their day off thinking about how God loves them. And it slowly sharpens them. And after months, after years, of just moment after moment, then there will be one day where they just become an overnight success. <laughs> I mean, no one sees, they're like, man, you have, like, your kid is following Christ. And it's like, it seems like since this one week, that he's just been doing amazing. And nobody else sees the months and the years of prayer. No one else sees the hard work in setting an example. No one else sees you biting your tongue because you want to be a good example for your kid. And they just think, oh, just in an instant that kid's life changed. And they don't see the sharpening that took months, took years. That's the design for how it works. It's not a sh- there's no shortcut in raising a godly child. But the scriptural instruction is that we have to impress it upon them, that we have to sharpen them. No one else can substitute for you on that. For the grandchildren that God has placed in your life, for the nieces and nephews that you have, for the children that are yours, you have a calling to impress on them. I probably shouldn't talk with a knife in my hand. I'm not pointing that on, at you. But it's this, there's this truth. And then we kind of have the saying of, you know, that's a, that's a really sharp kid. Uh, you might have saw this video of a kid who was doing his ABCs and he had he had verses memorized for each letter. I want to show you just a little clip of when he was on The Steve Harvey Show. Can we jump to, to that? We today, all know but... how important it is for kids to learn their ABCs, you know. But there's one kid getting serious YouTube play for how he memorized the alphabet. It all comes down to the Bible. M. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. N. Now, for being short, but we really hopeful. And certain we do not see. Oh. Oh God, you all oh my God. want to see, I seek you. P. Praise the Lord, all my soul, all my utmost being. Praise His holy name. <laughs> Please welcome Tanner and his dad, Taylor. Tanner. There is no way, Tanner, that you know all those Bible verses. <laughs> there is yes way. There is yes way? How short okay. is that? Really? So let me... I mean, that's so, that's so cool. And, and there's so many things that like fill our head. Like, to hear him spout off, and he does, you can go look it out, out on YouTube later. He goes all the way through the alphabet. A Bible passage for each letter. And there's so many things that we've memorized that fill our head. There's so many stories that we know, like, this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside. Like, you could quote that with me. <laughs> Some of you guys, if I handed you an NES controller, you could be like, up, up, down, down. Yeah, come on, you know, there's so many things. But how is it the things that are most beneficial are things that we have not yet committed to memory? And you don't have to be able to memorize the whole Bible. But I'm going to tell you, as you study, I believe that the word is active and living and sharper than a double-edged sword. And it can just pierce right through the things that have been haunting us and attacking us and that we've been struggling with. It is a weapon to be used in our hands. And when you are up, if you're struggling with anxiety and you memorize a passage, and when you're in that moment where you feel anxious, you quote it out loud and you understand that this is the word of God. He spoke all things into existence and he has said this that I should be anxious for nothing and that the authority of that word will speak into your moment and help you to walk through it in a way that honors God and maybe you need to just look up and get the you know here's the the little boys ABC passages I'm gonna start on A I'm gonna tell you I thought it was so cool my family is about to get started on this and when we have dinners we're just gonna be like okay who can do A and who can do B and man it's gonna be sharpening like it's not we're not going to have 26 passages in the next month or maybe in the next year but letter by letter I want to see my kids get sharper I want them to be able to compete with that four or five year old boy right I mean if he can do it we don't have much excuse do we Uh, but he's a sharp he's a sharp little guy and he got that way because his parents impressed scripture on him Which is the very very simple takeaway from this passage, impress scripture on your children. You have to sharpen them with it. You you have to teach them it. And and you know, verse by verse, if you have kids in the household and you start teaching them, you know you're going to learn it too. It's going to help you. And and the way that you do that, the very simple thing that the passage leads us to is the next thing that it says is, is talk about it. We have to talk about it. When we, when we discuss reclaiming the table, it's not just that we sit and eat together and we turn off the TV and the phone is in the other room. It's that in that moment that we have intentional conversations. And if your kids are young and you're like, they can't talk yet, start with your spouse. Because if this becomes natural for you, it's going to happen without thinking by the time they're old enough to talk. You've got to start those habits early. If you're not married yet, start these habits with friends where you're bringing up your faith. You're bringing up Scripture. You have to talk about it. You have to lead the way. Men and women in your household, you have to lead the way on this. Amen. And you talk about it. You engage in it. When you sit, The pastor says, when you sit at home and you walk along the road. These are two different applications to this truth that when it comes to our faith, we need to be talking about it. And the first says, in our home. And this shouldn't be a scary place for us to talk about our faith because the other people in that household, they've seen your dirty laundry. They've heard your bodily noises. They know you. Like, you, you're not going to embarrass yourself in, that, in front of them. You, you can start, and you might get embarrassed. You might have a question that you can't answer a little bit, but it's better to start. It's better to teach them that you can be humble and not know all of the answers. It's better to show them that you're going to try to live your faith out in their presence in your household. It's better to show them that and say, oh, I might mess up, so I'm just never going to step into that moment. I'm never going to step into that space that God has called you to step into. Your leaders in your household, talk about it in your home. But our faith doesn't just live at church. It doesn't live just at home all along the way. The next part of the passage takes us when you're going somewhere, when you're on your way, talk about the things of God with your children. And there's so many simple ways to do this, and there's so many ways that you'll see this drive out of your kids. One of the best ways is put a CD, if you still have that old school CD player in your car like I do, stick a CD in there from a Christian artist that sings about living for God, this thing that sings about the things of Scripture. My kids got to go to a concert recently, and it was a Jordan Felice concert, and I'm gonna tell you, like, I'm about done with the Jordan Felice CD, but my kids aren't. And so it stays on play because there's something amazing about hearing your kids sing about the truths of God. And when their friends get in the car and they start singing and they start talking about it, like it's like, okay, the fact that I've listened to this record nonstop is worth it because there's something spiritual happening in, in their minds, something spiritual happening in their hearts, something that when they're getting ready to, to go to school for that day, they're singing about the kingdom of God, and that is a good place for their mind to be as they start their school day. Along the road, that's one of the ways to do it. Uh, I'm going to tell you, um, when, when I was driving my daughter Ella somewhere, when she was like four or five years old, she, she was in the car and I had this moment where I'm like, who's the pastor here, me or you? Uh, we passed an accident and she looked at it and she said, Dad, we should pray for them. And I was like, yeah, I guess we should, Pastor Ella. Like, here we go. Um, I didn't even think about it, but it's one of those things along the way, like she's like, she expects, like, we'll, we'll pray when we're in the car. We'll, we'll pray when we're out and about in our city. And it's this expectation that was built out of, she's seen us pray in other places. And, and, and I want to identify that this might be a new space for you to step into. This might not have been part of the way you lived your faith out before. But if God is moving things around in your head and heart about it right now, that you need to step into some of these spaces, go after it with courage. Don't be ashamed of the past. Be excited about the future. Find ways to live your faith out as you guys are going places. Because we want to be the same person in all of those spaces. We don't want to have a church face, a home face, and a work face, and an out-in-the-city face. We want to be the same person through all of those places. We want to bring honor to God in the same way on Friday night as we do on Sunday morning. And one of the ways we start to do that is to live our faith out in ways we haven't lived it out before. And so God calls us to to talk about them at home, to talk about them as we're out and, and about um, my, my kids they've seen me invite people to Gulfside so many places one time they decided they were just going to take Gulfside invites to school right before the church launched and, and I got a nice call to the principal's office never been so excited to go to the principal's office before <laughs> my kids are inviting people to church your kids are going to emulate the way that you live your faith out for good or for bad I could tell you bad stories but I'm not going to do that I'll tell you the good ones about my kids all right The way that you live as you go around, the way that you're invitational, the way that you serve, the way that you sacrificially give, the way that you live your life and your faith, your kids are going to emulate. So let's make sure we're living it at home, living it as we go. And and then the passage takes this, this next shift that when you lie down and when you get up. And it has this picture of starting your day and ending your day. You know, it... It's not easily explained, but when, when a kid is having bad dreams, I mean, one of the first questions is, what's going through their head at the end of their day? You know, are they going to bed and they just got yelled at? Or are they going to bed and they just had someone pray for them, thank God for them, ask a blessing over them? Uh, when they start their day and their attitude as things are getting started, what's their morning like? And this isn't just good for them, this is good for us too. When we end our day thanking God for what he's done, when we start our day in preparation and belief for what he's going to do, things are going to go better for us. We're going we're to live according to design in a more powerful way. So the next place the passage goes is these starting points that, that when we begin and when we end. And, and the, these, these things are so important because it, once we get it rolling, it's like these checkpoints that we can't get past. That when sin creeps in, when a bad decision creeps in, if we know before I go to bed, I'm just going to take a minute to pray, we know we're going to have to deal with that before our head hits the pillow. When we start our day and we're praying expectantly to see God work and provide, then then that's going to start off. And then the next kind of signpost that it creates is that it asks for physical symbols for spiritual truths. It says, you know, tie, tie something around your wrist. Tie something around your forehead. Write something on your doorpost. And and this sounds like over the top, but I mean, I I don't know if you did this too. Like back in the 80s, this was more common than it is now. Now we set reminders on our phone. Remember like tying a piece of string around your finger, or around your wrist, because you're like, I need to remember this. And so you just tie something around. I mean, that's the idea, is that when you see that, you're going to be reminded of a truth. And and the reason that, like in, in, in the Hebrews, during the Old Testament, what they would do is they would write a psalm, and they would put it on a piece of parchment paper and then they would, they would attach that to their doorway. And then as they were leaving, they would just kind of touch it with two fingers. And it really became a superstition. It was like, you know, if you touch it, you have good luck. And if you don't, you won't. That, the goal is not to create a superstition. The goal is that you create a physical reminder of a spiritual truth. And this is the next kind of call in Deuteronomy, which I encourage you to find a way to do. You can look on Pinterest and find hundreds of ideas, or you can just be really boring, get a Sharpie, and write a Bible passage on your doorway. But the goal is that as you enter and leave your house, as you enter and leave your gate, that you would see something that reminds you of the spiritual truth, so that when you set foot out there, your faith is coming with you. And so this gets down to one of the reasons why I printed the card that I think I lost there it is no um we we gave some of these cards out last week if you're new here i'll explain in a minute um we have new ones for this week as well with new questions and it actually has the rules of engagement on it as well um i i challenge you guys to one of the simple ways that you can set a physical reminder for spiritual truth is take these cards and leave them on your dining room table and that way when you sit down to eat it reminds you this is a time that i need to reclaim This is a time that we as a family need to consider somewhat sacred. The phones need to get tossed in the other room. I can return the calls later. The TV needs to be off. I need to spend this time with you. We need to talk about our faith. And if we don't know what to talk about, there's questions on here that will get your kids talking. Some of them are about faith. Some of them are just describe your perfect day. As our kids described the perfect day as we were talking, they surprised us with some of their answers. It's really kind of a neat time for us as we engage in that. But we need to create physical reminders of these spiritual truths and it's not to create some sort of superstition that it's like oh if i look at the verse if i touch the verse it's going to help me it's about reminding us that this is what god has said this is what god has done and so it creates expectation for what he will do like in joshua chapter three and four it's the story of how when they were approaching the jordan river and god said you know bring the ark to the edge of the river and the water is going to stop and as they did that the 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 it's described as the water actually piled up and stopped, and they crossed as if they were on dry ground. And as the entire nation went across, they were instructed to grab stones from the river and and create a pile of 12 stones so that the next generation that came would see the stones and ask, they would see the physical thing that was there, and they would ask the question, why are those there? And they would say, because of what God did. They had this, this physical thing that was there as a reminder of the spiritual truth. And it wasn't just so that the nation would have a history lesson of what God did. It was so that the nation, that the kids would grow up with a spiritual expectation that God loves us so much that He will stop a river, that He will perform miracles, that as we serve Him, as we live for Him, He will do the impossible for His people. And it's to create expectation. And this is one of the reasons why I think it's helpful, it's beneficial, it's powerful for you to create some physical reminders of the spiritual truths in your home. And, and, you know, especially approaching Christmas time, I think so many of us are, are guilty of celebrating a Christless Christmas. We have all of these physical reminders that are supposed to point us and our family towards God, but we haven't talked about it. We haven't talked about the meaning. We have an evergreen tree that's supposed to remind us of eternal life. A wreath that is a circle because it's supposed to remind us about eternal life. And we haven't had those discussions with our families. We put up the Christmas lights that are supposed to be like a light in the darkness. That This great light came and we haven't had those conversations. We give gifts on Christmas because Christ was the best gift that we could ever receive. But we've gone from celebrating the gift of Christ to overindulging on the things that we've been wanting. And Christ hasn't been a part of our Christmases. And so as we step into that season, just be ready to talk about it with your kids. As you drive past the Christmas lights, talk to them about the meaning of it. They're physical signs. They're supposed to point us towards spiritual truths. And within your own household, create some. Find ways so that you can engage in those conversations. If the band would make their way up, I'm going to begin to close this thing out. One of the ways, one of the physical things that Hebrew families used to do uh, to, to begin those conversations and help teach the meaning of Scripture, they would actually take Psalm 119, 103, and on a small plank, they would actually write out a passage, like, How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey and they would use honey to write it out, and and, you know there wasn't much dessert then, and so it was a huge treat for the kids. I mean, it can be, there's so many different ways that you can take something physical to create a spiritual lesson for your kids. But the responsibility that's on your shoulder is to find a way to engage in those conversations. Your kids should know the story of how you came to faith. Your kids should hear you talking about your faith in God. And as you do that, you're going to remove the, the opportunity for them to even have a fear of talking about it. That fear that you feel of talking about your faith, that's something that your kid could never know because they just grew up talking about it. And one of the easy applications for, for this passage, one of the easy spaces for us to step into this, is at the dinner table. If you weren't here last week, you, you missed the opportunity to jump in the challenge right, right then but you can do it now. And the challenge is just simply this, that three nights, a minimum of three nights this week, we're going to sit down and we're going eat, to eat dinner as a family. The TV will be off, the phones will be in another room and we're going to have intentional conversation. We're going to pray together and we're going to thank God for the food and we're going to ask his blessing over the family. And my spouse... My kids, my grandkids, my niece, my nephew, the people that God's given me for those spaces, they're going to know they have my attention and they're going to know that God has my faith. And if God's stirring something up within your family, you need to take that challenge. You took the challenge last Sunday and it never happened once. Step into it this week. Step into that space this week. Lead your family. It is your God-given calling. And it's an opportunity that you don't want to miss. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that you were the greatest gift. That through your life, your death on the cross and your resurrection, that we are adopted into your family. And we thank you for the closeness that you offer to each one of us. Help us as we Step into this area of talking about our faith with our family. Help us to lead well. Help help us to sharpen our children. And moment by moment, may we see their faith built up. Moment by moment, would you build up our faith as we see you once again do the impossible. We thank you for the calling you've given us in Jesus' name.